Hey, Ryan. Hey, Haley. Uh, you want to hear about a really interesting podcast recommendation for you and our listeners today? I love podcast recommendations. Hit me. What do you got? Awesome. So, Pretty Much Pop is a culture podcast. They talk about TV, movies, music, games, podcasts, novels, comedy, theater. They explore why and how we consume these things. They ask, how does pop culture even work in a world that is so fragmented and so connected? Where's the line between trash and treasure? These are all the questions that they ask. Sound pretty interesting, right? I'm, I'm hooked. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me more. Uh, pretty much pop brings together philosophers, artists, comedians, and other smart folks to attempt and ponder these questions. Most of what people like is pretty weird when you think about it. And you and I explore that a lot on our episodes. And thinking about it is what pretty much pop does. Wow. Well, I, I am so excited to be sharing our listeners uh, more podcasts that do fun stuff like what we do. So yeah. if the listeners are interested, they can find Pretty Much Pop, a culture podcast, wherever they listen to their favorite podcast or find it at prettymuchpop.com. Yay. Welcome to Pop Psych 101. Where we, licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad and licensed psychologist Dr. Haley Roberts break down and analyze how mental health is represented in movies, shows, books, and across the pop culture and social media landscape. We will determine what lines up with real life and what is just pop culture fantasy. This is Pop Psych 101. Welcome back to Pop Psych 101. I am licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad, here as always with my co-host, Dr. Haley Roberts. Hello, hello. Haley, I hope you are ready to break down the intricacies of English football because that is all we have left to talk about with, what, our fourth episode on Ted Lasso today? <laughs> or fifth, maybe? I fourth don't know. Fifth? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, um, man. No, uh -huh. this is going to be season three, and I guess probably the last time we get to talk about Ted Lasso, unless we decide we need to pull more out Feel of season three as well. Who knows? <laughs> but English football intricacies and strategies aside, we will talk about a lot of the themes and storylines from season three today. Um, season three had... Uh, some travel, you know, like a lot of mm -hmm. TV shows, it was like they wanted to stretch their legs. Hey, let's get it. You know, let's talk about Paris. Let's go to Amsterdam. Let's see some of the sights and things like that. So, mm -hmm. you know, travel has been on my mind as I've sort of binge watched this last season. And sort of the London, England piece of it as well. You know, obviously, mm -hmm. spoiler alert, Ted is leaving. So, yes. you know, what's in your mind, um, what would be something that Ted would miss the most about London or at least his part of London mm -hmm. now that we are see he, seeing he's leaving? I feel like the small town camaraderie of Richmond, like mm. at the local yeah. pub, mm -hmm. um, that's definitely a very British thing is having like the pub on the corner. Yeah. And truly, it's just like pretty like neighborhoody usually, except for in the... Um, like more touristy areas. Sure. And Ted is someone who really likes uh, relationships. So I think that's what he would like. And I've um, been to London more times than I can count. Um, lived there briefly as a child. Mm. And I 
I love it um, as a place to visit. But one thing that the show never shows is how miserable the weather almost always is. And the weather is never miserable in this show. It's always like, he like walks out of his apartment and it's like sunny and like, no, I'm sorry. That's just not how that happens. But yeah. And then also they go to Amsterdam, which I have never been to and I would love to. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's wonderful. I'd like to also see a tulip just like. Oh (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Tulip and a windmill. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. I've never been to, uh, to London or England. I've been to Ireland, which Mm -hmm. I know there are strong feelings between those two (laughs) groups and countries. So I can't claim that I've, uh, that those two places have so much in common. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't make any assumptions about that. But um, pub life was real. And we really uh-huh. enjoyed some of our pub experiences in Ireland. I, I don't know. I My wife would love to go back to London. She's been. I'm just kind of so-so. I, I'm very interested in travel. But uh-huh. a place like Amsterdam feels much more attractive to me. I don't even yeah. know why. Um, maybe it's like the preconceived notions about the weather or the food. Uh-huh. <laughs> maybe I just want to see windmills and tulips oh, yeah. and Van Gogh museums. I, I I'm not sure. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. you know, London, if you like history, it's got a lot of kind of cool violent weird history you know sure. like the tower of london museum is cool and the there's like a dungeon tour and stuff like that so if you like that kind of stuff and are intrigued by you know the the royal history of the country sure. um i think it's it's interesting and it just has a lot of like spaces and places that are much spoken about because it's london you know well, yeah, like the sort of cultural piece, I, I, you know, as Ted kind of tells his mom, like, you can't come to London and not see a football match. And I think that's what uh-huh. I, you know, especially the the episode where they show a match at the Etihad, which is mm-hmm. where Manchester City plays, um, and they sing Blue Moon, mm-hmm. and you just, like, get this, like, incredible cultural experience that I don't know if there are a lot of corollaries to, you know, any American sports, maybe what going to see the Red Sox and singing Sweet Caroline, like <laughs> yeah, maybe, uh, or maybe, maybe some college sports somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So that's actually probably a pretty good example as well. I've been to a college football game. There's definitely those sorts of vibes, yeah. but yeah, I think, you know, I want to go to Wimbledon mm-hmm. maybe Ooh, like those are yeah. the experiences that I feel like I'd be more interested yeah, uh-huh. in. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. London seems great. And I think they do a, a pretty good job of making it a, a cool place to go, mm-hmm. whether the weather is actually <laughs> accurately reflected or not. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. So, yeah. So let's do some traveling ourselves. Uh, right after this break, we will talk Ted Lasso season three. Pop Psych 101 discusses mental health as it is portrayed in pop culture media. And because of this, we often cover sensitive topics that can be triggering for some listeners. We also delve into the characters and plots of these stories, and therefore, spoilers abound. So please, use your discretion as you listen to the rest of the episode. Ted Lasso is an American sports comedy drama television series developed by Jason Sudeikis, Bill Lawrence, Brendan Hunt, and Joe Kelly, based on a character that Sudeikis first portrayed in a series of promotional media. I don't know why I'm doing the whole yeah, review was, as if we have not I was going to interrupt you and be like, who? Ted Lasso, who? What? 
I've never heard I of just, this show. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just so it's so uh, unique that you kind of want to pay your respects, yeah. knowing you're not going to talk like, about it ever again. If you again. don't know what Ted Lasso is by now, why are you here? Pause it's this. It's a fair point. Get a know, free a subscription to Apple TV for a month. Binge it all and then come back to our four episodes. <laughs> all right, Harry, I'll jump right in. No, no, uh, no deep introductions to who Ted Lasso is. Let's just get to the season three <laughs> nitty gritty. And what a better way to do that than to ask us as therapists what um, uh, Roy what Roy Kent asks to the Diamond Dogs, which is, can people really change? Can they, Haley? I don't know. I, I hope you would know because you're in the, the business of change. <laughs> well, I, I guess I know in that sense of what I would tell if a patient was asking me that. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, what Roy is asking the Diamond Dogs is sort of a different type of question that would be asked of us therapists. Yeah. Why do you think that's different than what would be asked of us? Well, I, I guess for me, it feels like he's asking it specifically in relation to this uh, interpersonal relationship that he's just mm -hmm. kind of navigated out of, yeah. right? Um, and he's sort of frustrated with himself and, you know, and wanting something. Yeah. So I guess for me, and maybe it's not that different, but for me, that question always seems to arrive, you know, as I'm talking myself through it, no, it feels like exactly the same <laughs> scenario. Like someone has just had an experience where, they want to change mm -hmm. or they're struggling to mm -hmm. change. And it's like, you know, why can't I do yeah. this? Or like every relationship I'm in, the same thing happens. What am I doing? Yeah. Or how can I stop doing this? Or yeah, I think as you were kind of talking, my mind went to with, with can people change before I said yes. And now mm -hmm. I changed it to if they want to. And I think, I okay. think that's the answer. Okay. I think if there is motivation to change, change will happen. Now, if we take into account what um, Nate said, which is they can change for the worse or for the better, people mm -hmm. I think would have a hard time saying that like Nate wanted to change for the worse in this uh, series. However, I stick to that. He wanted more power. And so he made yes. changes that were required to have more power. So therefore, I think he wanted to change. I mean, actually, if we think about it, last season, he specifically asked Keely and Rebecca, like, how can I be more powerful? How can I take up more space? And that's when his whole spitting situation happened. Um, so, yeah, I think yeah. my answer is if they want to. Yeah. So I love that answer. And we actually got four pretty unique answers from some of the Diamond Dogs. Uh -huh. um, Ted, I don't think, actually gave his own perspective on whether or not people can change, probably because he was considering some changes and going through some changes uh -huh. himself. So I'd love to kind of go through the different characters' answers and sort of what they reflect on them, because I think it's really interesting. So Trent, who has joined the club this uh -huh. season, basically to follow along Ted Lasso as coach and sort of what what this team experience is like says to Roy I don't think people change per se as much as we just learn to accept how we've always been now you and I talked about this quote uh, before we started recording but it sort of occurs to me now as I'm thinking about Trent's character arc that this was oh, what he and Colin yes, yeah this is what he and Colin were dealing with all season right yeah 
Okay, so I had a pretty <laughs> strong you did rejection of that statement because to me, when I first heard it, that suggested like, oh well, you just gotta accept that this is who you are, and like, sorry that you speak aggressively. That's just who you are, and I didn't love that. And I was like, no, if if Roy wanted to be less gruff and be less aggressive, like he could certainly make those changes. Would it be easy? No. Would most of the people around him like that? No, because they do truly like Roy because the gruffness doesn't matter because the heart is huge. Mm -hmm. Yep. And when you frame it as the, as you did with regard to like Colin and Trent Krim, I feel that, now his answer makes sense when you recognize where it's coming from. Because for him, like Colin didn't make big changes, but he changed, right? Like he changed sure. how oh, yeah. he engaged with himself, how he engaged mm-hmm. with his teammates, how he engaged yep. with the world by the end of the season. Yep. Through a process of becoming more accepting and more okay with who he was. Um, so now that you frame it like, well, listen to who it's coming from, I think you're right. Like mm-hmm. that does make sense. Yeah. And it's it's coming from that place of here's what I've learned about myself or here's what I've learned, you know, from being with this team about change, mm-hmm. right? Is I've watched Colin go through this experience. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, while we don't get a lot of Trent's arc himself, he is, you know, certainly... Uh, has a part to play, you yeah. know, in sort of Colin's yeah. arc. You know, he finds out about um, Colin being gay mm-hmm. without Colin's permission, mm-hmm. and he lets Colin know and without uh, publicizing it. And that's sort of what Colin's arc turns into is people finding out sort of without Colin's intention, mm-hmm. and then Colin having to reckon with mm-hmm. that. And then ultimately choosing to share it himself. Yes. That's mm-hmm. right. So then he's he makes the choice, and um, we could say that that sort of like is the biggest version of acceptance, right? Of who he is is you know my because his boyfriend comes mm-hmm. out on the field after they win the game, and you know the boyfriend maybe holds back for a mm-hmm. second, but he's like, no, everyone else is embracing their partners. Like me too. I I embrace my yeah. partner too. I just yeah. got yeah. goosebumps. I love that. Yeah, um, yeah it was really yeah. Nice. I think as I watched this season, I was like, oh. Trent is the most self-actualized out of everybody in this whole series. Mm, Like he is just so him. And also I think if we bring it back to like the, the core of the whole Ted Lasso thing, which is curiosity, not judgment. Mm -hmm. That's what Trent does. Like even when he confronts Colin, he does it with curiosity, right? Like he comes in being mm-hmm, like, absolutely. I've seen some things, but why don't you tell me? Why don't yeah, you tell me your story? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And and Trent, as a person who initially has this sort of like bird's eye view of the team and of mm-hmm. Ted, and then once he's in it, he's excited to see how it's actually working Uh you know and he's he observes ted you know go through the you know the four tenets Uh of uh you know of his approach to football and you know and he's so excited to see the real impact that ted is having and then for him to essentially write this book and then to get the feedback at the end of it was never about me Mm -hmm. 
and for and for him to just like yeah of course mm-hmm. you know um and to roll with that i think is a real nice reflection of of Trent's acceptance mm-hmm. of Ted as a person. And he's not just skeptical yeah. mm-hmm. of, you know, he's actually kind of fully yeah. embraces what's happening there. Yeah. And also a good piece of Ted's acceptance as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause he could easily have yep. been like, yep, I was the coach. It was me, but he didn't need that. Yes. Right. I think Ted could take a little bit more of that credit in certain places. Sure. Yep. And I saw on the internet something that was, really clever about ending it with that like note is that the show's called Ted Lasso. And so for him to say like, change the name, it was never about me. Um, I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh, that's really like meta and really clever and, and true. Right. Like, yes, he was one of the characters. However, when people talk about the show, they talk about Keely and Rebecca and Ted and Mm -hmm. coach beard and Danny and Sam, you know, like they, they talk about everybody and, it wasn't just about Ted. That's right. Yeah. So some of the other people's answers, um, Nate says, I think people can change. They can uh, sometimes for the worse, sometimes for the better. Mm-hmm. And, and you and I did a whole episode on Nate <laughs> yeah. because his sort of villain arc was so interesting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going from that villain arc in season two to pretty quickly yeah. in season three, you know, oh, it's this softer side of Nate. He he's attracted to this hostess mm-hmm. at a restaurant, so he just sort of all that stuff melts away. I mean, we could talk about the like from a plot development mm-hmm. standpoint. Like, do we believe this kind of character is a fully formed person mm-hmm. that would have that sort of drastic of an arc? Maybe, maybe not. I think, you know, his answer is certainly reflective of how he sees himself, mm-hmm. which was he was not happy with the person that he was becoming or the rooms he was being invited into. That's it. Yeah. And chose to return to the rooms where he was not just accepted, but celebrated. Yeah. And I, I, that was my biggest argument with the, this theory of change with regard to Nate is it was too quick. Mm -hmm. You know, it was three episodes. It took two full seasons for us to grow Nate into big Nate He's not going to just suddenly after a few episodes be like, you know, happy and and go lucky and easy and simple again. It would definitely take much longer than that. But, you know, they needed to wrap it up. And what were they going to do? Like, what were we going to see in terms of that change? Yeah. Um, I do think the going in and doing the locker room for Will and leaving the Mm -hmm. note that said sorry. To me, that I was like, oh, yes. I was like, absolutely. That is the first step in change. So I think from that point on, if there had been like six more episodes where we could slowly see him, you know, but it did that. And then suddenly it was like, Oh, and then this, and then this, and then he's back and he's on the team and he's in the diamond dogs and it's great. And he's super insightful. And, you know, and it's like, well, I mean, it might take a little longer. (laughs) Yeah. And, and it was interesting. It's just, they really gave him a redemption that, you know, he's playing the violin and, you know, he's, um, you know, he's incorporated into how they communicate the winning free kick play. Mm-hmm. He made one of those boxes for the money he for made the another party. Box. <laughs> yes, of course. And then the scene in which the one that I think I did think was interesting that I thought they did a good job with one particular arc, which was, 
everyone hating Nate, and I think in some circumstances, like appropriately, and even Beard, like you know, celebrating Nate's failure and decision to to quit his uh-huh. job, and all along Ted being sort of like, I'm not, I'm not like happy that he's not happy yeah, uh-huh. like i'm not you don't know he said he says don't you think it's bad karma to celebrate someone else's bad karma? yep and and we sort of it's it's not totally clear if nate's gonna end up back with the team right it's like the players come to invite him back and mm-hmm. he's excited by them showing up but he's oh does ted know and oh because ted doesn't know and then he's like okay well then i'm not you know, i'm not stepping on ted's toes kind mm-hmm. of thing but then we see Ted finally watching the full security clip of him like sneaking back into the the, office, the stadium, yeah. right? The office and doing the the sign and everything and having to hide for <laughs> you know four to five <laughs> hours um so as to not be seen. And then Beard, as he's watching that with him, sees himself essentially uh in Nate. Mm-hmm. And we learn some of this kind of really interesting background about beard that i don't think up until that point was really revealed through the first couple of seasons yeah we never find out like i frequently was like how do they know each other like what what's beard's deal yeah yeah yeah. um yeah yeah so then and then beard goes and is like i don't really like you but i trust ted and i'm gonna trust Mm -hmm. you know he took a chance on me and i'm gonna trust him taking a chance on you yeah. Yeah, I I have always been a firm believer in not if you haven't got anything nice to say don't say anything at all but like why participate in the conversation unless you have something to say. So, you know, if oh, Ted sure. had said like um you know, I'm really hurt by the fact that he came in here and ripped up the sign and therefore I don't really want him on the team. Great. Mhm. Yep. But the like, I, I guess it happens in the very first episode where Nate, you know, says something really mean about Ted and then Ted is given the opportunity to say something mean back and Ted is like, you know what? He's a good dude. Good luck to him. Mm-hmm. He And then he like kind of takes a jab at him without taking a jab at him that's like, well, he could have gotten more creative and then starts making fun of himself. I think that it, it's a little avoidant, but also like... Mm-hmm. Ted liked Nate, right? And he was hurt by him. Then he didn't he didn't let the hurt define the person. Um, and I mm-hmm. see that happen so often with my patients where they have a friend breakup or a relationship breakup or a divorce, where suddenly they start talking about their partner as though their <laughs> partner was the worst thing ever, or their friend was yeah. the worst thing ever, and all of the time together was such a waste. And I'm like, no, you were with them for X amount of time. Because you liked being their friend, because you loved them, that time was good. It became not good or it came to an end in some fashion and that was hurtful and unkind and and you can hate that moment, but don't undermine yourself by undermining the whole experience. And I think mm-hmm. Ted does a really good job of that is he doesn't, you know, make himself question the whole experience of having Nate on the team because he doesn't right. undermine nate right yeah yeah and then the the moment when we finally see uh ted and nate acknowledge each other mm-hmm. they're both apologizing to each uh-huh. other like it's just this sort of release of like oh 
you know, you know, Hey, uh, sorry. Oh no, sorry. You go first. Yeah. And you know, and it's like two people who are uh, broken might be too strong of a word, but like two people who have gone through these sorts of change experiences, mm -hmm. right. And sort of come to terms with certain things being sort of reunited after their own falling mm -hmm. out. You know, whether it was too quick of a redemption for Nate or not, I do think we had some some nice little mini moments yeah. there. And the character yeah. that they had at the end of the season really, to me, felt like a good combination of the, the quote-unquote two versions of Nate that we had because he was kind like the Nate from the first season, but he mm -hmm. was more self-aware or like self-assured like Nate from most of this season and the end of last season, but in like an apologetic way. So like, even when he says the cha like change for the worse, you know, he kind of does like, yeah, like yeah. me guys. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think yeah. that that was like really well written for that character, if not too soon. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So then we get, uh, speaking of coach Beard's response, uh, he says, change isn't about trying to be perfect. Perfection sucks. Perfect is boring. And then I really liked how they followed up that with like, but these other perfect <laughs> things are great. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. That was funny. <laughs> you know, oh, well, like this movie, I forget. I should have gone through all the references, but it's like, um, you know, oh, the Mona Lisa row and like these, uh -huh. these, all these various examples. But then they come back to, but like, but anyway, relationships uh -huh. and people, not perfect. Uh huh. Uh -huh perfect is not possible and you and i have talked about perfection mm -hmm. on our on the show before you know people know where we stand on that um and that it's certainly not a healthy or useful framework mm -hmm. you know when we're talking about change or, or improvement yeah, except for the way that then nate uses it where he's like oh but i have a girlfriend and she's perfect and what i really love mm -hmm. is that like no she's like she's not perfect in terms of like Obviously not, yeah right. she's perfect yeah. in terms of the way yeah. that Beard described it, which is like mm -hmm. flaws and you know things like that, and and I like I think that's what makes people perfect. It's like ah, oh, you're like you nailed it. Like you're so very human. Perfect for me. Perfect well, and perfectly for human. The moment. Right? Like I. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, there's a whole movie. Well, actually, we should do this movie, Pleasantville. There's a whole oh, movie yeah, about yeah, how like yeah. perfect sucks, and it's actually more mm -hmm. perfect when it's quote-unquote not perfect yeah yeah yes flaws and all yeah yep. yeah so that's so that's beard and we got as we mentioned some of beard's backstory and then we get higgins coming in with the truth bombs you know higgins is sort of a fascinating character because he he's also self-actualized actually <laughs> yeah, yeah and he's always you know we we never really get any conflict you know the most conflict we get is you know, Rebecca rushing in and making him spill his tea all over himself. And he doesn't even <laughs> a really bit get of a mad. Dope, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So Higgins says, human beings are never going to be perfect, Roy. The best we can do is keep asking for help and accepting it when you can. And if you keep on doing that, you'll always be moving towards better. I mean, that's pretty yeah. good. That's hard that's to argue therapy. with that, Higgins. Yeah. 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 Higgins, he's lovely. Yeah. And he's just, you know, that sort of constant, mm -hmm. right? He's he's reliable in that sense. 
you know, and I think it, it touches on a broader theme of Ted Lasso, which is that willingness to seek help. Obviously, we talked uh-huh. about season two and therapy and, you know, the characters occasional uh, willingness to open up to one another, mm-hmm. whether it's Rebecca to Ted or Ted to Beard mm-hmm. or um, Roy to Jamie or vice versa. Mm-hmm. A lot of really cool moments like mm-hmm. this where in opening up and, and seeking help or support, characters are able to grow. Yeah. 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 So thank you, Higgins. And basically what he was saying is like, I mean, I think they ultimately actually legitimately say it to him, which is you being in this room with the diamond dogs right now is growth and is change. It's evidence of yeah. change itself. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what's so funny is I think Roy changes the most out of Mm. all the characters. And the reason why is because someone like uh, Jamie had a lot of growing to do. And so like a lot of growing happens. Roy really just needed to like refine the growth that he was doing and really with his niece, for example, he always was like thoughtful yeah. and big hearted oh, yeah. and engaged. And so he had all of those things. He just needed to figure out like, well, how do you do them with a group of men? Right. How do you, sure. how do you open up to people and how do you let your niece call Jamie, your best friend and accept it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's something about Roy's, <sighs> And it's even like the language that he uses that I found really like a really nice framework for uh, things like acceptance and change, which is he'll he'll have these moments of self-awareness, you know, and he'll curse. I I, I won't. So we don't you know have a rating on the podcast episode. But, you know, he'll say, you know, F this or he'll you know, he sort of and it's often at himself Mm -hmm. when he realizes what he's done wrong, mm-hmm. what he did wrong to Keely, mm-hmm. or what he, um, you know, messed up with Jamie, mm-hmm. you know, this or that. And in having that moment of self-awareness, he then goes and does the thing that helps him grow uh-huh. or that helps him fix what he wronged. Uh-huh. And there's something about that mindset. It reminds me, I don't know, um, I follow uh, John Green, the author on TikTok. Uh-huh. And one of the things he does is he'll frequently do little videos while he's doing his mental health walk in the uh-huh. woods. But the way he talks about it is like, I'm going for my stupid mental health walk that I know is going to make me feel better. And it's so stupid that I have to do this. And my brain needs this. But he's doing uh-huh. it while he's like expressing this frustration Uh and that feels like Roy sometimes where it's like he doesn't want to have to make up for these things that he's done wrong but in gruffly cursing himself Mm -hmm. and then doing the thing like that's where I think to your point he's made so much growth it's not just damn it I I I hate Mm -hmm. this it's damn it I hate this and here I go to do it anyway Mm -hmm. yeah and what I really love about that is we have this tendency to believe that if if something changes, everything has to change, right? So mm-hmm. Roy's going to have yep. to become this like soft, gentle, and no. No, far from it, yeah. He makes change, and even when they each bark, and he goes like, mm-hmm. woof, woof, <laughs> right? Yeah, which his version which I think yeah. is... I was like kind of nervous right before he barked because I was mm-hmm. like, are they going to like make him 
bar. Like that's so not like, Roy. It wouldn't be him to do like an yeah. enthusiastic one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like I love that because it was like he's participating. He's being emotionally intimate with a group of men. Yes, and he's absolutely. doing it in the way that Roy does it. I also really yeah. love. In one of the episodes, they're talking about the perfect Julie Andrews, and Trent Krim yes. says, um, <laughs> like, the Princess Diaries, and Roy goes, F yeah, Princess Diaries. <laughs> he is, like, the most excited <laughs> that Roy gets, like, ever. And I was just like, oh, yeah, he definitely watched that with his niece. <laughs> well, and, and in even acknowledging those moments and, like, referencing quotes, he's sort of like, I can't believe what you guys did to uh -huh. me. Not in a, like, and even if he is frustrated, yeah. it's like, frustrated but acceptance of like this is better. and nice yeah like it's like yeah, oh i hate yeah. how this stupid mental health yes. walk is going yes yeah, yes totally yes. yeah and we see another example of roy's sort of growth is um when he's doing the press conference uh after the game mm -hmm. in which the captain like goes into the stands because yeah. a, a slur yeah. was spoken mm -hmm. and Roy tells the story of his own sort of experience, uh, a similar experience mm -hmm. that he had. And, and wow, just like seeing him do that when he sort of had the little talk with Rebecca mm -hmm. about how he kind of has to man up and mm -hmm. maybe not the right phrase, yeah. but like he has to go for what he mm -hmm. wants. And if what he wants is to be there for people, then you know, bloody well go mm -hmm. for it is kind of what she tells him. And this is a great example of that. And I think that's why you're right that he, along with Ted in some ways, is really one of the largest sort of character arcs of the show. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Because Keely and Rebecca also don't have that much growing to do, but there's not change the way there is with, with Roy. Yeah. Yeah, they, they both have a sort of relationship shifts that they experience both over this season and the the three seasons in general mm -hmm. um rebecca and keely but that's where we see their like lessons learned mm -hmm. right is sort of this sort of framework of family versus the importance of relationships and i was happy actually to see that keely didn't have to end up with anyone Agreed. uh at the end of the season yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and i think partly I like the representation of that, of, you know, she don't need no man. Um, but also, as a fan of the the series, I think I would have been upset whichever one she ended up with. Like, if she had ended up with, with Jamie, I would have had so many opinions about it. And if she would have ended up with Roy, I would have had so many opinions about it. Yeah, either way. So I think, like... Writing-wise, it was a smooth move to be like, no, Keely, like, 100%. you don't need anybody. Well, and even having them beat each other uh -huh. up is like, yes, these these are still two men who are figuring out their own stuff. Uh -huh. You know, they're not necessarily in a place yeah. where they're going to be the right partners, yeah. and that's okay. Well, and what's yeah. also so funny about it is then they came to her and was like, we had this brilliant idea that you could choose. Yeah, right. You, and yeah, she was exactly. like, wait, so you guys are still making a decision for me? Like, yes, please and kick them like, out of the I house. And she's like, I can choose? Yes. And they're like, yeah. She's like, great, yes. get out. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 So we see a lot of really interesting arcs. And I think we'd be remiss to, to not at least touch on Ted's sort of major coming to terms with something mm -hmm. uh, this season, which I think was best represented in the Moms episode. Mm -hmm. So we get a classic sort of sitcom trope, <laughs> that being mom showing uh -huh. up out of nowhere uh -huh. and then mom having to interact with every single character on the mm -hmm. show and uh, a 
pretty good representation of a midwestern uh, mom yeah. just like and I, I, the detail that i did love is because i think this is something that's not necessarily specifically to midwestern moms but just like moms mm -hmm. in general which is like i'm going to tell a story about my son or daughter from childhood and and like it's not at all reflective of reality, uh, but it's a great story, yeah. and I get to be the the narrator person telling yeah. this great story. Yes, yeah. so I was like, oh my god, that feels. I don't know if it's uniquely American or uniquely what, but it was like, oh wow, because you can even feel the embarrassment uh -huh. of Ted, like having to deal with this, uh -huh. you know, with all these people that he's obviously established a certain uh, image. Yeah, uh -huh. with, yeah, right? yeah. I yeah. I don't know that my parents tell embarrassing stories about me. Maybe, maybe I just need to wait a couple more years. <laughs> well, right, or maybe you're just not a net, you're not around for the stories they tell. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I'm just perfect. Okay, <laughs> there's there's no stories to tell. <laughs> yeah. So we so Ted's mom shows up, and immediately they do a not so good job of showing that Ted's unhappy with his mom showing mm -hmm. up and this feels like a pattern that we're getting to see ted sort of reckon with okay mm -hmm. mom's here something's up but she's probably not gonna tell me so i just gotta make her comfortable of course mom come stay with me of course mom come meet all my coworkers. of course uh -huh. mom like you know tell all these stories about mm -hmm. me um, and he only sort of very lightly pushes back against any of that until the breaking mm -hmm. point. And we see Ted finally confront mm -hmm. her, you know, in, in a very, again, sort of well-written confrontation in the sense of like, I love you, but also screw yeah. you for, for this and that. Yeah, thank you and F you. Yes, yes. I was going to ask you what you thought about that scene because that's the sort of thing that we might try to prep a patient for mm -hmm. like hey you are you ready to have this conversation uh -huh, with yeah. mom like she's only going to be here so much longer yeah. like is this something that you want to mm -hmm. do so what did you think about that scene and the sort of confrontation arc that we saw with ted and his mom i love that yeah i again that all or nothing thinking that so many of us get trapped in we think if we are upset with our parent about something or we don't like something they did when we were growing up or we don't like how they handle certain situations that suddenly means that like there's something wrong with them as parents and or that we don't love them or that we're not grateful mm -hmm. for the parenting that they did or yeah what they gave us and and that's simply not true both things are true and that's yep. what happens in this scene is he is both like thank you for all these wonderful things you did and this these wonderful ways that you were a wonderful mother and also here's where you screwed up and it screwed me up and I'm angry about it and I'm frustrated about it. And thank you for all these wonderful things. And then she does it back at him. And I think that what mm -hmm. I really liked about that is there's, and we can blame Freud, but there's like so much narrative about how parents, let's use the phrase screw up. It's not really the right term, but the way parents screw up their children, there's, seldom narrative about how children screw up their parents and like that's why i like that this was a back and forth was he was like here's all the things you did wrong and she's like here's the things that i don't like that you have done and yeah yeah i thought it was beautiful and then because of the way 
they had the conversation. And I don't think this will always work, right? Like if people go in heavy on the FU parts of it mm-hmm. without it being clearly balanced out by the thank you parts of it, I think this would go horribly. Um, however, the way that it was written when mom said like, thank you for the stay and just thank you or an only thank you, that felt like the right response of like, we needed that we needed this conversation. We needed, this is how we move forward and grow. And mm. I loved it. I thought it was wonderful. And, and I really think that we need that. I've said it a million times on this show. We need that. And we need to have like yeah. both, both things sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause that's, that's like a, a middle path, right. Of it's not just, I'm confronting you and get the hell out. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't know if or when I'll talk to you again, it's, you know, I also, uh, understand that that was hard for you too when dad died, mm-hmm. right? Um, and things like that. That for them to be able to kind of share in that moment together, you know, and then for Ted to want to, you know, I'll serve you dinner, mm-hmm. right? I think this sort of recognition of it was really important that Ted, I, that Ted got that out, mm-hmm. right? And then what's left is still the love that exists, yeah. right? I thought that was really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And and that was the sort of beginning of the arc of Ted recognizing, coming to terms, and ultimately making the decision that this was going to be the end of his time mm-hmm. at Richmond. Mm-hmm. His mom explicitly confronts him about um, his son missing mm-hmm. him and needing him. And Ted acknowledges some of the fears that have built up for him over this relationship and you know over the course of the three seasons we got some of the parallels with nate and nate was like a son and then nate left mm-hmm. right and ted pretty much calls out i'm terrified of when he's gonna leave mm-hmm. and you know mom doesn't do the thing where like oh no he's not and it's gonna be fine it's like yeah she just kind of lets him feel that. And yes, mm-hmm. this is part of being a parent and how beautiful to just like, I'm not going to try to just make you feel better about this mm-hmm. reality. Like mm-hmm. this is your job though, mm-hmm. as a dad is to be there anyway. How does it feel, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> your well, voice so caught why, there a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, of course. I mean, and that's why I really, uh, another moment in, I think it was that episode when, you know, uh, Ted's mom is over talking to Beard and Ted's just mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, I'm just giving them some space. And, <laughs> you know, and May um, at oh, the bar mm-hmm. comes over and she re- she recites for him mm-hmm. what I didn't know, but recognized as she was going like, oh, this is like a literary deep cut. Like mm-hmm. I have to look up this poem mm-hmm. because it was beautiful and sad mm-hmm. and and like, oh, man, I, I think this is hitting Ted in a way that is probably, and uh, I'm assuming, like led to his willingness to go and, you know, and have this conversation is mm-hmm. like, like, yeah, they parents do, um, you know, and, and I'm, I'm going to read the poem because I'm a sappy poem fan. Me too. Okay. So it's This Be the Verse by Philip Larkin and May recites, they F you up, your mom and dad. They may not mean to, but they do. They fill you with the faults they had and add some extra just for you. But they were effed up in their turn by fools in old style hats and coats who half the time were soppy stern and half at one another's throats. 
Man hands on misery to man. It deepens like a coastal shelf. Get out as early as you can and don't have any kids yourself, which is sort of like a a funny tongue-in-cheek way Mm -hmm. of acknowledging like, but you already did. Mm -hmm. So you're in this. You're Mm -hmm. a part of this cycle, a part of this experience. Mm -hmm. And I want to say someone else said in the course of either that episode or another one, like hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. was like a very another like stereotypical mm-hmm. sort of way to acknowledge this which is like your parents went through stuff you know it's sort of like a way of like giving them the grace of they did the best or can mm-hmm. which people have a lot of different ways to react to that sort of sentiment mm-hmm. um you know because i think we we don't say they did the best or can they did the best they can as a way to like relieve them of responsibility, mm-hmm. but just to kind of have that grace and empathy of yeah. them of like they were also dealing with stuff. Yeah, understanding is not excusing. Yes, yeah. exactly right. Well, and that yeah. made me think of uh, Jamie's. Yes, yes, yes. He's sad because his dad is not at the game, and mm-hmm. then we see that his dad is at rehab. Yep. And then at the end, Jamie is with his dad. And we've seen so many and throughout the seasons, like the flaws that Jamie has and how they directly came from this like over mothering mother and this under fathering father. Yep. And like how that created a perfect storm of Jamie Tart. Mm-hmm. Um, and how basically Keely and Ted have reshaped him in so many ways and roy yep Mm -hmm. yeah eventually roy yeah yep and then to have two hurt people jamie and his father sitting together both having grown and being no less hurt oh yeah but so much more of who they've always been or or whatever Mm -hmm. yep i thought that was really lovely yeah i thought that was like a nice way to wrap that up a little bit mm-hmm. knowing that it's not a and then they lived happily ever after it was like and that was the beginning of the next journey but yeah yeah that would be ted lasso season four i guess mm-hmm. you know coach roy kent yeah. um and you know characters continuing to grow but i think that's you know that's you know whether it's moms specifically or parents in general i think this is something obviously you and i encounter in in therapy as therapists is people who either are constantly reckoning with childhood stuff, right? Um, and the sort of frustration of, you know, because I thought that the Jamie episode or the Jamie arc of that episode was really interesting because we saw the emotional impact it was having before we had an explanation of what it was. So all of a sudden, Jamie was like out of it and mm-hmm. sort of like having many panic attacks mm-hmm. and um, clearly stressed and Being Roy's trying to figure nice out. nice to everyone and yeah, inclusive. And yes, and like, and like removing himself from responsibility and like, oh, player of the month, like it's not a big deal. So we're recognizing like something's going on, mm-hmm. but I, I really enjoy when shows and movies do this, which mm-hmm. is show and not tell, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Because then we get to see what it's like as the audience, the same way Roy and Keeley got uh-huh. to see over time, like, oh, this is what's going on uh-huh. for you. Yeah. You didn't have to tell us and explain it or even necessarily know yourself as much as we got to go along the journey with mm-hmm. you. And I just think that that's such a valuable way of portraying a sort of 
mental health episode, uh-huh. which is sort of a mini version of what we got with Jamie in that episode. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think you and I have said that with a lot. I was trying to think of an example of another movie or TV show where we've said that. But we often say that of like, I like seeing it the way the characters are seeing it and mm-hmm. then finding out what's happening. Um yep. And that's probably what is the same thing inside my brain that makes me a sure. good therapist is I'm like, ooh, I'm intrigued by this. I want to know. Um, yeah. Yeah. What's wrong with Jamie? What's going on? Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 And I don't want the answer. I want to find out with you. Exactly right. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So it was a, there was a lot of, of change and a lot of arcs that we got to see these characters go through. And, you know, we could go through almost every player on the team, you know, in some yep. ways, shapes and mm-hmm. forms, right? You know, I think of Sam as a good example of that, right? We see some some mini arcs that Sam went through with his dad visiting mm-hmm. and with the restaurant and then with not being chosen for the Nigerian national team and, you know, and things like that that weren't necessarily like a full character arc for mm-hmm. Sam so much as just like Sam is a full person yeah, dealing another with human really event. intense. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, and then Jamie wore Sam's number. Oh. Yes. Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so that's that's a good example of sort of how this show did try to kind of tie a lot of things together and put little bows mm-hmm. on every little interaction. I'm not mad about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, you know, there were la- the last two episodes in particular, it felt like we were getting a lot of just, you know, I, I, met, I referenced um, Nate's violin. Like, it was uh-huh. a lot of, like, violin montages. Uh-huh. We're just like, oh, it's so nice just seeing these characters, you know, floating out of yeah. as- as- aspects of their lives together. Yeah, and that's so... Nice. You don't, I mean, it's just not something we really get with, you know, episodic television series Mm -hmm. very much. Yeah. And I I can't remember if I said this on the show or when I was talking to you beforehand, but I don't normally like shows that end so happily ever after. Mm -hmm. And I felt that if Ted Lasso didn't end like that, it would have felt like a disservice to the whole show and everything that it has been because all of us have been so in love with all of these characters that we, it was feel good. Like the the whole, it wasn't telling a, a totally perfect story. It was showing Mm -hmm. how like it's a little bit imperfect and like it can still feel good. And so I think, you know, Rebecca running into her pilot and with his kid and, you know, Jamie, I almost said Julian, (laughs) Jamie, like, (laughs) being with his dad and, you know, Keely being in her office and starting a women's team for Richmond. Yes, oh yeah. Yes, I forgot about yes. that. That's, that's mm-hmm. a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. That actually, I think is a huge, really good way to kind of wrap it up for Rebecca and Keely. And Keely. Yep. This mm-hmm. show, although named Ted Lasso and about a men's team was such a feminist show. Like there, it Absolutely. was, it was, so highly feminist and I like loved it because it wasn't like in your face men suck kind of feminism it was truly Mm -hmm. like women are strong and cool and also soft and gentle and like fashion and are bubbly like Keely you know as and powerful and cool and and powerful as Rebecca yeah yeah Um, Yeah. and every woman in the show every sassy was cool her Mm -hmm. her daughter was cool like literally every woman in this show is like 
is is awesome and 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 so for Keely to kind of be like I, I had this idea and Rebe- Rebecca to be like oh my god that's an incredible idea mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah yeah and and uh, Sam making that Adirian national team and you know a lot of little bows that mm-hmm. we got I thought was was really nice um, yeah and you know a, a three season arc for a show about a football coach seems uh-huh. seems appropriate right yeah. I mean. You know, we got the, I guess, like semi-bittersweet. And this was the other interesting little mini pattern I noticed was, so we did not see Ted tell Rebecca that he was quitting. Uh-huh. So again, another example of they didn't, and then I guess this is they like the inverse. It, they like they did it. not, well, they didn't show, they didn't show him doing this. Uh-huh. All we got was immediately the next episode um, you know, everyone dealing with the fact that he had resigned, mm-hmm. you know, and then even like, you know, they won their last game in this momentous occasion mm-hmm. and we don't know what happened in the other games. So we don't actually know if they won the, uh-huh. the championship. Right. And then we only find out because Ted passes a fan in the airport, like, uh-huh. Oh, so sorry. You always only won second place. It's like, Oh, uh-huh. that's what happened. So I thought some really interesting narrative choices to, decide what we got to see and what we didn't Mm -hmm. yeah and i think they also left some of the stories open a little bit like Mm -hmm. that like ted and and his ex-wife story like there's a little bit of like is dr jacob actually kind of a dud you know or is he just an american hating on soccer well let's talk about dr jacob for a second Uh because in this season, I think it was revealed that Dr. Jacob is not only dating Ted's ex-wife, but he is their former couples therapist. Yeah, a year and a half before. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's probably problematic. Um, <laughs> and it's not like explicitly stated that that's like an unethical thing for him to do. Somebody says that. I think it's Keeley's friend, the real... Like that's messed Aggressive. up. She's yeah, like, like well, somebody, that yeah. sounds highly unethical yes. and then like moves yeah, on yeah. or somebody right, says something right. like, oh, no, it yeah. was sassy. Sassy was said that. Okay. And Ted yeah. was like, have you ever like seen or heard of something? And she's like, I'm a child psychologist, Ted. So, yes. That's right. That's right. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sort of does get called out. But but it also just sort of is like very i don't know accepted normalized it's just like yeah you know he's and like that sucks doesn't it ted yeah it's just like ick factor but fine you uh know and it's like it's it's ted's problem more than a problem and i was like we're not gonna like this is not okay yeah like we're not gonna we're not (laughs) gonna address this regulation board yeah yeah, Um, i mean particularly a year and a half is certainly not enough time i I don't think any time is enough time, Um, particularly a couples therapist. Like to me, (laughs) that feels wild. Like I was there for your relationship separation or I was there for your attempt to rectify your relationship. And now I'm dating one of you. And during that time, it made me so intrigued by you, the individual. Like Uh, how invested was I in the the work that we were doing, you know? Right. And was I on the side of the relationship or was I on the side of the relationship ending? And I do think that like maybe like 10 years out or something like that, you run into each other at a coffee shop and like, 
oh yeah, I vaguely remember you all. Like, sure, right. You know, reintroduce yourself, start chatting, find something in common, maybe. But this timeline, like, absolutely not. Not okay. Ugh, creepy. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. But he's sort of just like a creepy stereotype of a guy yeah. who, you know, the more we learned about him. Yeah, I, I appreciated that they left that ambiguous, that it wasn't like the ex-wife and Dr. Jake also at the front door uh-huh. waving hello to Ted that maybe, I don't, I'm assuming Ted wasn't like moving back in, but he's, yeah, it is oh, open-ended. Yeah. Maybe That's what I was going to say, yeah, that yeah. with them not telling us everything, Mm-hmm. There were some storylines where they didn't tell us everything. And nope. so it leaves it kind of open to mm-hmm. like, what does happen with Ted and Henry? What does happen with Henry and his mom? What does happen right. with, you know? Yeah. Well, Ted becomes a soccer coach, right? Oh, we do know that. Soccer. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. 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 Imagine if yeah. he became a different sport coach after this. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. So, you know, it's, 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 it was really cool for us, uh, I will say, uh, just doing the show, covering three seasons of one show because we really got to, we don't always get to do this, like see full arcs and see how the show yep. addressed things over time, mm-hmm. learning lessons or not learning lessons mm-hmm. about how they've decided to portray things. And one of the bows that we got was the therapist being brought back to the team and being uh-huh. I think, like the director of mental health and wellness yeah, i think uh-huh. her little nameplate said yeah. um, with her own office of course of <laughs> course yes because we got to see her you know cheering on the team yeah. um during their last game there mm-hmm. and for them to bring her back i thought yeah. it was really cool yeah yeah and it almost my, in my mind's eye right now, it looks like she, like Rebecca's office that she had, but it that may not have been it. But in my mind's eye, that's how it's. Yeah, I. What I also think was really nice about this show is because it was even when it, well, I guess it was occasionally explicitly about mental health. It was very much about like the human condition, and mm. so let's say like Friends, like that had seasons upon seasons upon seasons of character change and growth, but it it wasn't really about them. It was about like the events that happened in each episode with this show. It was about them as human experiences and as, Mm -hmm. as humans engaging in the world and with each other. And I think that made it the perfect show a for people to fall in love with because you fall in love with their story. Um, And B the perfect kind of show for you and I to like really enjoy both watching, but also like to talk about on this show because we do get that real humanistic like mm-hmm. uh, and that's all therapy is is your relationship with the person that you're doing therapy with and so like we yeah. kind of built relationships with these people us and all the other viewers absolutely yeah and one of my other final favorite bows was um rebecca's closing shot on not wanting to hear another effing thing about the psychic <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Because we had that sort of mini uh, arc when Rebecca was sort of reckoning with her love life. Uh, yeah, love, love life, uh, you know, fertility questions, all sorts of things. And then um, she was sort of seeing signs that mm-hmm. the psychic had uh, predicted in air quotes. And and then for that all to come back and she's kind of backgrounded and uh-huh. no, like. I don't want to hear another thing about this crazy person. Yeah. Yeah. When she runs into the pilot, are all those signs present in that scene? 
Oh man, I don't remember everything, every prediction that the the psychic made. All I remember Did was the green matchbook. Right, so she saw the green matchbook. But that we'll was that was like Sam handed her the green matchbook. Yes. But yes, I wasn't yes, sure yes. if like in the scene with the, oh, no, the pilot was so. she like holding the green matchbook or something no, like that. No, I don't think oh, so. That's but funny. you know, yeah, still, uh, yeah, yeah. Those psychics. Um, yeah, so, you know, Haley, maybe it's time for us to do our full, you know, full three seasons worth of reviews for Ted Lasso. I know we reviewed seasons one and two, so it's appropriate for us to do sort of a closing uh, remarks here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Haley, season three, Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. I think we should start off with how accurate did we feel like Ted Lasso was in terms of how it represented some of these issues this season, mom issues and can people change and things like that. Mm -hmm. So on a scale of one to five awesome tie dye t-shirts from Roy's adorable niece, Uh how accurate did you find season three of Ted Lasso? I'm going to actually pause for a second. Again, that's a perfect description of, uh, Roy's change. So when he wears the second tie-dye t-shirt, it's tie-dye, but it's in more Roy-appropriate colors. The like dark yes, purple, the dark blues, the grays. Blues, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Where that is the perfect example of what I was saying earlier of like change can happen without the person needing to be different. Um, and I think that that's, that's a really good representation of that. Um, in terms of accuracy for this season, and then I'm actually just going to kind of talk about all three seasons overall as well. Okay. So I think I think the parenting stuff, the mom stuff, um, paired with the can people change stuff, I'm going to give it a 4.75. So four t-shirts and one tank top tie-dyed. Um <laughs> And the reason why I take stuff off is because um, with it being a final season, Mm -hmm. things are rushed and they kind of need to like, well, yep. And then this person's fine, you know, or like, and then Jamie and his dad are just like, cool now. Like they're good. yeah, Yeah. So there is a little bit of like that bow tying that suggests happily ever after when that's not how relationships work. There's no happily ever after. It's like happily for now. (laughs) Um, And we'll continue to grow and all those things as long as people keep working on it. So I think that's why they lose points for this season in these topics specifically. Overall, because of what we just talked about, about the like giving us really human people with like faults and quirks and personality traits and allowing us to like build loving relationships with the parasocial relationships with these false characters. Mm. Yep. I, I give it a 4.9 overall. Cause nice. I think like they, they created characters that aired upon goodness, but like weren't not from a perfect place. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well what do said. you think? Well, I, yeah, I, I thought it was in terms of like how it did uh, represent mental health stuff over the course of three seasons that they um, 
they didn't do the thing where it's like, okay, we gave you a therapy arc. Now back to the football story, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Um, which I really appreciated. Uh-huh. It was, you know, hey, mom, you probably need to be in therapy. Yeah. You know, hey, I saw a therapist and uh-huh. this is not just a thing that happened. I still talk to her. Oh, I wonder uh-huh. what she'd think of me now. And his fingers still tingle occasionally. Yeah. Yes. Are you still having panic attacks? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there was some real acknowledgments of that sort of full mm-hmm. arc that we got for Ted. So I appreciated that. And I thought That's that was great. a good reflection of what mental health yeah. recovery mm-hmm. looks, looks like is that it's not just a season of your life mm-hmm. and then yeah, it's and on just to an other episode. things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's over and over again and it's different lessons learned with different people at different times. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I thought that was well done. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So let's bop over to the fun stuff. So okay. on a scale from one to five of Keely's pink porcelain cheetah statues that she has in her <laughs> office. <laughs> yeah, that awesome. That office looked like a fun place to work. Yes. It it looked like Keely exploded yes. in that office. Yeah. <laughs> um, how entertaining did you find both this season and then also overall? Yeah, so there's a uh, I found myself thinking about like my comedy shows mount rushmore uh-huh. <laughs> because ted lasso is not like i don't know if i would describe it as comedy first it's definitely funny um yeah it's very funny but i don't know if that's like the first thing that i think of when i think of like yeah. comedy television shows that i've watched over the yeah. years right and probably because it had like occasional like hour-long episodes which is just not what I associate comedies Mm -hmm. with, but I don't, and maybe this is the way I think about how, where my rating is going to come from. I don't foresee myself rewatching Ted Lasso. Yeah. I don't know why yet. Mm -hmm. Maybe it will come back and I'll, you know, kind of put that warm blanket that Ted Lasso is on again. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have comedies that I rewatch several different shows that I Mm -hmm. rewatch you know yeah um and i don't know that this is going to be one of them Mm -hmm. um and again that's not so much a criticism as just an acknowledgement of like it's sort of different Mm -hmm. it's sort of its own thing and that doesn't mean for me that it was not entertaining i loved things about every episode Mm -hmm. um for sure but there was a, a narrative around season three about it being the worst season and about it, you know, doing different things with the character and, and things like that. I don't know that I necessarily agree with it being like so much significantly worse than the first two seasons. But I guess in terms of a score, in terms of where I ultimately land, it's good. And I would mm-hmm. probably be like a like a 4.25 okay. for the series. For the series. For the series. And maybe this season was just a four. And like, you know, season... For me, I think season two, and maybe it's just because I'm a therapist, was like the peak. Oh, I loved season one. For me, it it was less and less each season. Okay. Yeah. Um, And that's the sort of general, I think, consensus is that season one was incredible. Season Mm -hmm. two was great. And season three was... Wrapping it up. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and that's reflected. I'm going to ask you in our in our favorite game what you think the season three tomato meter was for Ted Lasso. I will give you a hint. The audience and the uh, critic score are within three percentage points of each other. Oh, this has happened so much lately. Um, mm-hmm. 80, 
9%. So I was the... going to say 87, and then I was going to say 92. So I just went with, <laughs> <laughs> I went with 89. Okay, so I'll go from the beginning. Um, uh-huh. So season one, just for comparison, uh-huh. um, 92 and 95. Okay. Um, season two... 98 and 85. Oh, so wow. Critic- okay. Critically better received in season two. Um, and then for season three, dipped down to 79 <gasps> and 76. That far down. Yes. I don't think I was that surprised it, by that as well. I don't think it deserves yeah. that big of a, a drop. Um, yeah. I was thinking 98 for the first season, 96 for the second season, 80, and like high 80s, 87, yeah. 89. For, yeah. Wow, that's the furthest I've yeah. been off. And actually, even after here, like other shows, you've you've given me like here's where you were wrong, and I'm like, oh, okay, I can see that. That's actually shocking for me. Well, I think it sort of became a narrative. It's like people were upset that it was done, and yeah. it's like, oh, if they're just finishing it, then this isn't going to be good. And then yeah. there was a little bit of confirmation bias of just like, oh, yeah. look at them try to tie all these knots. Well, and yeah. I also think that there. It became such that like a thing that people are so highly attached to that like mm-hmm, there's no way anybody can live up to that. Like and a I satisfying. Think, yeah, conclusion. when you said you wouldn't yeah. watch it again, I was kind of thinking like, well, that kind. I mean, I watched rewatched season one and season two because we recorded episodes right before the following season rather than mm-hmm. at the end of the first season or at the end of the previous season and so i rewatched right before we recorded and i enjoyed the rewatches but sure i think that there is something about it that and i i say surprise they were never any like ooh surprise um but the sure. like the unexpected surprises were partly what made it so wonderful and when you like mm-hmm. when you know jamie's gonna wear sam's number or when you know sam is gonna cover his jersey and the rest of the team is gonna too mm. it, it it takes yeah. away from it a little bit sure um yep. that being said that episode the sam covering his jersey episode made me cry both times um but but yeah like that i think i don't think it should have dropped that much but i also get it yeah. 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 So there there we are, a a three season arc of a show that did a really intentional and we would say mostly good job of representing yes. some some complex mental health issues. So yeah. um kudos to everyone involved with Ted Lasso. And we look forward to more shows, you know, giving mental health the attention it so deserves. Yeah. And Apple Plus yeah. is just nailing it lately. So they're rolling. Yeah. yeah. We'll see what's next. Okay. <laughs> Um, Please follow us at PopPsych101 on the socials, and we will talk at you soon. Bye. Bye. I wondered if you were going to do the bye.